This morning I want to start with the top ten. Now, when we hear top ten, many of us are thinking, okay, maybe top ten movies, top ten songs, right? This morning, I actually want to start with the top ten fears of 2022. Now, this is hilarious because when I read this, it blew my mind, the top ten fears of 2022. Because as I read these, all of the things in here will be like, Yep, that's true. Yep, I heard that. Ready? Top 10 fears of 2022. And you know what the number one fear, this is, this is awesome. The number one fear in 2022, a corrupt government. It's number two, people that we love becoming seriously ill. Number three, Russia using nuclear weapons. Number four, the people we love die. Number five, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Number six, pollution of drinking water. Number seven, not having enough money for the future. Eight, economic collapse. Nine, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Don't throw your straws in there, right? Kill the turtles. Number 10, biological warfare, which is the use of toxins, bacteria, viruses, and insects and fungi. The top 10 fears in the United States. So in the United States, they did a poll, a poll just like, I don't know, about four months ago. And these were the top 10 fears that people had. You know, it's a little different. If you were to do this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 75% of people, the number one fear was public speaking. And it's funny how as people and, and generations have gotten younger, now we have gotten, you know, us who are over 35, we've gotten just slightly older, right? We've gotten just a little bit older. But as the younger generation gets older and they start getting jobs and paying bills, you can see the fears have changed. And, and for us, many of us, as we read through these things, the corrupt government, people becoming ill, nuclear weapons, we would all agree with most of these. Like, yeah, it sounds freaky. But do you know that for a lot of the stuff that we see on TV and a lot of the things that we hear, do you, do, I don't know if we understand what we're doing to the next generation who's coming up after us. 94% of Gen Z feels that life is overwhelming. 94%. 94% of generation, generation Z, the people who are younger than us, feel that life is overwhelming. Anxiety in Gen Z, anxiety and mental illness, depression and anxiety, are at an all-time high in the generation right below us. And it's no wonder why. Just read through the top 10. All the things that we talk about, all the things that have happened in the last four years, we have freaked out the younger generation. Now, for some of us, you know, not all of us are as strong and tough as Sixto, right? So he's not afraid to face anything, right? He's ready. Bring it on. But sometimes when, when we're talking about something, when we're watching TV and we're telling our kids, you better be ready or, you know, the world's coming to an end next week, we don't really understand that the words and what we've said to them, what we've done to their brains, 94 percent of kids between 15 and 25 feel overwhelmed. Now, when I was 15 to 25, I didn't feel overwhelmed. Man, I was taking on the world, right? 15 to 25, married at, were we 19 or 20? 20, thank you. Married at 20, 
Traveling the world, Kim and I went to the Philippines for six months. We were in a very dangerous place where there was a lot of people. Right after we left, there was a white couple that got kidnapped. And, um, you know, we were in a, yeah, sorry. But they were um, right after we left in the island right next to us. And, and so, but at 20 years old, there was no fear of the future. There was no fear of anything that was going on, right? We weren't afraid. And so I ask you this morning, if you're above 25, which most of us are really close to that mark, what have we done to the generation below us? And are we using our words to encourage them that tomorrow's going to be whatever they make it? Or are we scaring the hell out of them? Because I can tell you, no matter what we think or feel, they are overwhelmed and they feel full of anxiety. 20% of people afraid of dying, 75% of people afraid of public speaking. The, the number one, other than the, the top 10 that I read, if you go on, the fear of tight spaces, the fear of judgment, rejection, the fear of spiders, which yes, I agree wholeheartedly with that, hate those things. The fear of heights, the fear of open or crowded spaces. One out of two Americans say they are struggling financially today. One out of two Americans, 42% in our country say times have changed. One in five Americans currently living with a mental illness. One in five Americans dealing with a mental illness today. And, and when you think of mental illness, that's not anything like you're crazy, right? It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It's really the top two is anxiety and depression. 40 million dealing with anxiety, 300 million people dealing with depression. If, if one out of two people in America say they are having hard times financially, it is no wonder that there's some depression, right? If one out of two say the times are tough, it's no wonder there's a little depression and anxiety. There's traumatic stress disorders. There's attention deficits, which who doesn't, who didn't deal with that, right? I mean, how many kids had to go and take pills? But I can remember when I was young, I couldn't, I had a hard time listening. I still do, and I'm 46, right? Anyway, crazy things are happening. But I can tell you at 46, life's different than when I was 15. Life's different. It's changed. And how I see the world, it's different than how a 15-year-old sees the world. It's completely changed, and it's completely different. The past, and it's gone. There's nothing that we can do to yesterday, right? It's gone. Now, I don't know if any of you have invented a time machine. Any of you have a time machine in here today? Are we working on it? Working on it, not there yet. We can't go back to tomorrow. And so tomorrow, yesterday, there's full of, of good things and bad things that happened yesterday, right? There are good things and bad things that happened yesterday. The past is gone. And so no, no matter what happened yesterday, it is gone. The present, this moment that we are living in here today, this is right now. Pinch your neighbor and say, this is the present moment. Pinch them, make sure they're alive. You know, for the past, how many of us know people that the past, the good old days? How many of us have been around somebody that it's always the good old days, right? It's the good old days, the good old boys, right? No me, no harm, right? The good old days, good old boys, the past, man. Oh. Have you ever seen somebody who's like 80 and they still feel like they're 20? And, and most of us probably want to get there. We're, no matter how old we are, all of us feel like we're 15 this morning, right? We're, we're gearing ready to go, right? And so sometimes 
Sometimes, many of us, we cling so hard to the past, we can't see the present, nor can we see the future. Because sometimes the past is, is so loud, and there's guilt, there's pain, and then there's good things. And in the present moment, you know, I read all those stats this morning because I want, I want to think about this one thing. When we feel that there is fear or danger, we do one of a couple things. One, we go grab a gun, maybe. But really what we do is we go into a self-preservation mode. The top 10 fears that are, are, that are battling America today, the government, nuclear war, all things that are totally legit, and you can see why people are scared, right? Totally. But what has that done to us, to our mindset, to the Gen Z mindset? A lot of people are in self-preservation mode, scared to death. When, when we're afraid, when we're afraid, we have an option when life becomes scary, when we don't know if we can pay bills, when we don't know if we're gonna make it, we don't know what's gonna happen. Many people go into self-preservation mode and I'm gonna do everything I can to protect my life. I'm gonna do everything I can to protect me, to protect myself, to protect my feelings, my emotions, my mind, my heart, my soul, my clothes, my belt, my music, my guitar. Many of us, heavily today, we're in self-preservation mode. What am I doing to protect my heart, mind, and soul? What am I doing to protect my fears? They're real, they're, they're loud, and they're vibrant. And then there's the future. And 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, many of us, when we looked at the future, man, it was so bright. It was, it was just like it is in heaven today. It's blue, it's sunny, it's perfect. 20 years ago, when we're thinking about the future, Man, rah, rah, rah. But today, for many, it's not that way. You know, when we open up the Word of God, and we're going to get into our text this morning, we think about it two ways. And one, we're, we're hearing, we're saying, God, when we're, we're opening your Word, what is it you want to say to me? But secondly, as we hear God and we read the Word, the second question is, God, what are you giving me to give to somebody else? God, what is it you want to say to me? But God, what is it you're giving me to say to somebody else. With that, we're going to open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians, our starting verse with our new theme, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 in NIV, we live by faith, not by sight. And then I really like how the message translation puts it. It's what we trust in, but don't yet see, that keeps us going. It's what we trust in, but don't yet see that keeps us going. Many of us in here, we have learned how to walk. Probably by the age of one, some of us were early learners and we learned how to walk. And from that point, we have been walking ever since. We walked into our car this morning, we got out of our car, we walked into the building. We have learned how to walk. Most of us have learned that we are living life, and life is full of choices every single day. We get to make so many choices. There's good choices, bad choices. Do I feed my family or not? Do I feed the dog or not? Right? Do I go to work today or no? There are so many choices every single day. And the big thing that Paul points out is, how are we walking? And what are we walking for? How are we living? Who are we living for? And lastly, he said, 
who are we trusting and who are we trusting in? And so to illustrate this verse this morning, we were in the Old Testament last week, but this week we're in the New Testament. Punch your neighbor and say, yes, we're in the New Testament today. Woo! But don't punch too hard. Luke 8, verse 40. And it starts with this. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with them. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying, and Jesus went with him, and he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately, turn to your neighbor and say, deliberately, touch me. I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble. She fell to her knees in front of Jesus. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. And while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And she will be healed. Verse 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in except Peter and John and James and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew that she had died. Last few verses. Then Jesus took her by the hand in a loud voice. He said, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were so overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had just happened. And so this morning, we start with a picture of this good dad. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a good dad, but if you're not a man, then don't say that. But anyway, if you got a man next to you, you're a good dad. Dad leaves home. And his daughter is sick, and he felt like she was dying. And for a dad who's ever seen a sick daughter crying and pain, it is the end of the world, right? Just like when, yeah, it's horrible, it's horrific, but it makes it only worse when this is his only daughter, and his only daughter, she's sick, and she's really, really, really ill. This is an emergency. And so here's a good dad, because what does he do? He goes out to Walgreens trying to find some medicine. He couldn't get any. He went to Walmart, and there was 300 people in line. Didn't want to wait in line at Walmart. He kept searching, and he kept looking for answers until he could find the help that his daughter needed. And so as soon as he gets to Jesus, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter, 
she is dying. And there's two people in this story. It's crazy. Two people at one time. Because as Jesus is just about to go to this, this house, he gets stopped and he feels healing power that, that had left him. And as soon as he feels something that happened, he's looking around and he's asking people, what happened just now? I felt something. There was a power. There was a surge. There was like an earthquake inside of me that was going on. And he's asking around everybody and it's crowded and so many people are pressing in on him. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, you're crazy. You're insane. What are you talking about? People are all around you. But the girl, she couldn't take it anymore. And she said, Jesus, it was me. I spent all, all, all my money. I spent all my time. I've suffered at the hands of doctors. I've suffered at the hands of men. I've been bleeding for 12 years straight. And nothing and no one has been able to help me. But she said, and then I heard about you. And I thought to myself, if I can just get close to Jesus, if I can just get close, if I can just get close to Jesus, then my bleeding will stop. I'll be made whole. I'll be healed. Jesus turns to her and says, he didn't even say it was me. He didn't say, it's, hey, it's, you know, Saturday, it's a good day to get healed. He turns to her and he says, daughter, it's your faith. It's how you believed. It's how much faith that you had inside of you. It's what you believed. It's the amount of trust that you had. It's the desire and the drive that's inside of you. You were not going to give up. You were not going to stop. You were going to do whatever it took to find your healing and your miracle. And for this lady, he says to her daughter, it wasn't me. This was you, your faith, your prayers, your desire, everything that was inside of you. And I asked myself, where did her faith come from? Where did her faith come from? It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the good news. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Where did her faith come from? Where did she have so much faith that her faith healed her body after 12 years of constant bleeding? 12 years constant bleeding. What was it in that that she believed Jesus, that she believed? She heard. All she had to do was hear. Hey, there's this guy. His name's Jesus. He's amazing. Man, he prays for people. He lays hands on people. They're instantly healed. All she had to do was hear. Because remember, it says she spent all her money, all her money, all her time, all her energy, all her everything that she had trusting other men and it said that all it did was get worse until she heard hey there's a new guy in town hey there's a new guy in town and this guy he's for real how many of us love real people how many of us love real people because fake people what do they do they suck right it's like, you know, used cars people, used car salesmen, right? I mean, it's horrible when we run into people who just use and abuse us and want to take all of our money. It's horrible. And so when we find somebody real and they're loving and they're kind and they're not loving and kind because they want to get something, they're just loving and kind because they're wonderful people. It's refreshing. And it's what? It's real. And so for this woman, where did her faith come from? It says it comes from hearing. She heard about this guy. And people are saying, this guy is real. He is amazing. He's not just a man. This guy is crazy amazing. You have to see him for yourself. And so the minute she heard that, you know what she started to do? 
she started to think about all the time. And how many of us know that when, if you're going to build a house with bricks, what is, what is it going to take? One brick at a time, right? I mean, unless you're like superhuman and you can just like throw them in there, right? But if you're building a house from bricks, you're going to lay them one at a time. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. What do we need to do? Like a brick, like building a house, we need to take one thought of faith and let it build on another. And so for her, as she hears about Jesus, she starts building this house of faith in her mind and in her heart until it explodes. And it explodes to the point where what she believed, what she prayed for, instantly happened. Where does our faith come from? Where does our faith come from? For many of us, we've heard about God probably most of our lives, right? We've had parents, we've had friends, we've had strangers, we've had the internet now, we have social media. Where does our faith come from? Where have we heard about this God? Mark eleven twenty two 22 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up, thrown into the sea. It will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, pray for anything. If you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your heavenly Father will forgive your sins too. And there's a few things in this scripture that I love. One is, let's start with the best. Jesus said, pray for anything. But if you're holding a grudge, I ain't listening. If there's somebody you don't like, I ain't listening. If you're bitter and unforgiving, he says, I'm not listening. If you want to pray and see great things, what did he say? You better make sure you love and treat all people respectfully, honorably, above everything. And if there's anybody you're holding a grudge against, you better go say sorry right now. Sometimes prayers don't get answered because we have bitterness and hate in our hearts. And sometimes brokenness from the past sometimes hinders our prayers. Secondly, Jesus said pray for anything. Now, I don't know if that means, you know, that we pray, you know, 30 million times a day for the lottery. You know, I, I sure try sometimes, right? It'd be wonderful. Absolutely pray for anything. Is that what he meant? I think what he meant was you should be praying all the time. And what happens when you start praying all the time the things that you're praying for either will be answered or he'll change the prayers. Pray for anything. doesn't mean anything. And you can start with anything, but start with prayer and pray. As often, it is not that hard in these 15 hours that we're awake, 16 hours, to just pray and spend 30 seconds praying for something, praying for someone. It starts with prayer, and it's that communication between us and our God in heaven. It starts. We have to, even in prayer, it takes faith to believe that we're not just talking to air, that we're not just talking to the clouds. Faith, it takes faith to believe that we're confident when we pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say to our God in heaven, right? It takes faith to believe. It takes faith to pray. It takes faith to understand. I am not just speaking and wasting my words and time. I am praying. And I'm going to start by praying, and I'm going to pray for everything that's inside of my heart, mind, and soul. And either God's going to answer those prayers, or he's going to change the things that I'm praying for. Thirdly, he said, you can say to this mountain, mountain that's in front of you, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it'll happen. Great things happen when we start to pray. 
great things will start to happen when we start to pray, when we start to believe. And it may not be the outcome that we're expecting, and it may not be the things God may not answer the way that we want to be answered. Because how many of us know at the end of the day, he's still God and we're not. Mark 14, or John 14, 11 says this. Just believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. At least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus left because he said, I have started this mission. I've come here and I lived and I died on the cross and now I've passed on the message to you. And he said, here is the message. Here's the story. Here's the, from the beginning to the end. Now I give it to you. And not only have I given it to you, I'm entrusting it to you, that you be careful with it, that you handle it carefully. But most importantly, you do something with it. Now, how many of us know being in love is a absolutely wonderful thing in the whole entire world, right? But it's one thing, and, and we can think about our spouses, how much we love and adore them, right? But many of us, we love a lot of different things. Some people love jobs, like being, being at, at my job is just the best thing in the whole wide world. Many of us love pets. I, we love our golden retriever dog. He's wonderful, even though he bites us and eats our shoes and sandals and poops and pees sometimes where, he doesn't, where he's not supposed to. But I still love him to death. Love isn't with words only, it's also with action. God entrusted this world, this planet, this story, this message, and he's given it to us, and it's in words and in action. And so as we hear these things and we see this woman who acted out in faith, remember she built it one thought upon another thought until she had enough faith to believe for her healing. And we said, where did her faith come from? She, it came because she heard something. Where does our faith come from? What's the kind of faith that God wants us to have? He wants us to have the kind of faith to where we're at the point where we're ready to do something greater than what we did yesterday, something beyond ourselves. When we look at the Old Testament, man, God used all kinds of wonderful gentlemen and women, right? There was a murderer that became one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, Moses. There's King David who... Everyone talks about King David because he took down the giant, one of the greatest kings of all of Israel, right? But he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, right? He made a lot of mistakes. God picked men and women, imperfect, but in their time and in their story, they did things that were greater and beyond themselves because they believed. Abraham, Father Abraham, who's got the coolest song in the Hawaii world, Father Abraham, had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, right? He's got his own song, because he's so cool like that. What did he do? He left mom and dad, he left his home, he left the culture, he left his cell phone at home. And you know what he did? He said, I'm gonna go follow God wherever he wants me to go. I don't know where God wants me to go, but he's telling me to go somewhere. So I packed up my bags. I've got my Volkswagen, and I'm ready. I'm taking my wife, my dog, and my nephew, let's go. Because what? He believed. People in the Old Testament, people in the New Testament, what is it that is defined about them? They did things beyond themselves, not because it's our power, our wisdom, our knowledge, 
It's because of this. In, um, where'd it go? Romans 8.10 says this, Christ lives within you. Even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your body because of the same spirit living within you. We see in the story, there was in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came upon men and women and they did great things in great moments, things that were way beyond themselves. It says here in Romans that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he will raise these bodies at the right time. They'll be raised to life. So we see the very beginning, having faith, having trust, having this belief, this confidence. It changes everything. Because we've been raised and all of us have a past. We have culture, we have moms, we have dads. We have family, we have siblings, and there's things from our past, many of us, there's things from our past we look at today and say, I wish that didn't happen, or I wish I had this, I wish I had that. This morning in the present moment that we're living in, many of us, and, and maybe not us in, in here, but the most of our world is scared to death and overwhelmed because there's something missing. When we used to dream about the future and we could say, ah, oh, I can do anything, I can go anywhere and I can accomplish anything, I can take on the world. Most kids, not all, but most kids, they don't have that same drive. There's something that's missing. And you know what's missing? People have lost faith. People have lost hope. People have lost confidence. One, that there's still a God in heaven. Two, that when I die, I get the opportunity. I get to go to heaven. And number three, God's given me the opportunity to taste heaven on earth today. Taste and see that the Lord is good. John, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give life. But I don't want to give you no ordinary life. What did he say? I want to give you a full life. But where does this full life come from? I want to end and I'm not going to quite end yet, but I promise I'll end here soon. I want to read part of the story, and I want to highlight a couple things. Luke 8.51 says, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in except Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew that she had died. Some of the things in the word of God, people laugh at every single day. Oh, you're a believer. Oh, you like Jesus? Ah, you still believe in God? That's old. You still go to church? That was like, you know, 19th century. It was like so 20 years ago. How many people today laughing, laughing at some of the things that are in here? Jesus said to the crowd, stop weeping. The girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And they all laughed at her. And you know what? 2,000 years later, people are still laughing at us. People are still laughing at us. But you know what the greatest thing is? You know what I love about the gospel and the good news and people who do the right thing? It's not about how we laugh now, but it's about who laughs in the end. Right? It's not about who laughs now, but it's about who is laughing in the end. And if your life is placed in the right hands and in the right place, God's going to do great things. They start laughing at Jesus. 
Jesus took the girl by the hand and he said, my child, get up. And instantly, in that moment, this girl comes back to life. She was dead. She was gone, completely gone. And now she's back living and hungry. Jesus said, give her some to eat. She's hungry. Like most of us in here this morning, hungry. Death to life. You know, sometimes we don't really fully understand life and appreciate life unless we feel like we get a little taste of death. Many of us have been in a car accident and it's really spooky and freaky. And then all of a sudden we're appreciating life just a little bit more. Sometimes to fully appreciate life and understand everything that is moving and happening in life, sometimes there has to be some brokenness before there's wholeness. Sometimes there has to be some sickness before there's healing. Sometimes there has to be a little bit of death before there's resurrection in life. And we see that in this story. This girl, it happened for a reason. She was dead, but now she is alive. She was dead, but now she's alive. And so for one lady in this story, Jesus said it's her faith that made her whole. And in this story, there was faith that mom and dad had, right? There was faith that the mom and dad had. They believed that there was something great that, were, that was going to happen. But you know what they didn't understand? They were asking when she was sick. They were asking for help when she was sick, not when she was dead. When she died, they said to Jesus, you, you go ahead and go. We don't want to bother you anymore. Now, sometimes when we want to pray for something big, is that what we think? God, I can't bother you anymore. That's too big. In this story, that's what they did. When she's sick and not dead, they said Jesus can help. But when she was dead and gone, they had no idea who they'd asked for help. They had no idea who this person was. Sometimes in our mind, we're thinking, if I pray too big, ah, I just, no, that's too much. God's too busy. There's 7 billion people on the planet. He's got a lot of prayers, a lot of people that are crying out to him. He's too busy to listen to me. I'm a horrible person. Why would he listen to me? And so for the parents, their faith in God, their faith in Jesus in the moment, trusting, hoping, it translated into something that was way bigger than they thought they'd ever, ever would see, ever. Because their 12-year-old daughter, who was dead, 12. Think about it, 12. How many girls at 12, you know, they're, they're going to school and they're in junior high and they may have braces and pimples on their face. But, you know, at 12 years old, they're hoping for the future. They're dreaming for the future. They're hoping one day to get married. They're hoping to have kids one day. They're hoping, you know, some of them to have a career. At 12, there's so many things in their mind. And for this girl who's 12, everything came crashing down in one minute. At 12. And for the parents, how many of us can think for one second as she died, how many of us thought for, for one second they're thinking, wow, and this was their only daughter. I'm not going to be able to give her away one day. I'm not going to have grandbabies because my daughter, she's gone. And so how many thoughts were running crazy in that moment and this poor girl's and her, her parents and everything that was going on in the moment. 12-year-old, our only daughter, she is now and so it translated into something way bigger 
their faith that started here and believing for something small. Just help my sick daughter. It's all girl come back to life. And I wonder this morning, how many of us have lost hope in God over certain situations? I wonder this morning how many of us have been praying and we have not yet seen God answer. We've been hoping. We've been wondering. There's brokenness. There's a little bit of feels like death and, and misty and mustiness. There's a little bit of horrible things over here. And so we're trying to keep believing. We're trying to keep praying and we're trying to keep hoping. But I wonder how many of us have given up this morning. I wonder this morning how many of us have given up on a better tomorrow. I wonder how many of us are praying and believing, but yet we don't really think it's going to happen. Because I prayed 300 times and I haven't seen it happen. I prayed and I just haven't seen it happen. We started a new theme, Walking by Faith. And a couple things that stand out. Last week we, we understand that the very beginning and basis and the foundation, one of the greatest things that we have to understand in life, we looked at the life of Job and we see a man who he learned through very hard circumstances, it's not about what I have because he lost everything. He lost every penny, he lost every dime, and he lost his kids. He loses absolutely everything except for his faith in God. And after he loses everything, the very base and foundation, I will not trust in my stuff. I'm not gonna trust in what I see. God, I'm gonna keep trusting in you. And today we look at two people and we see that words and actions are so really, they're so important because for the lady in the story, she actively pursues Jesus until she gets the healing that she was looking for. She chased him down and she was not going to stop. She was not going to let go until she felt that her body was healed. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking. No matter how many times you've asked, keep on praying. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking. Even if your knuckles get bloody, the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. No matter where we are this morning, God wants you to hear, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Because we have to understand that tomorrow, it's going to be a better day than it was today. If it's the end of the world, understand it's the end and it's over. But it's really in the language, in the translation that we use. And I think that what we don't understand as people, the language and the translation that we're using today is scaring the life out of everybody. And it's in the news, and it's in the media, and it's in the government, and it's everywhere. The language, the translation. Because you know what they're trying to do to a lot of people? Suck the faith and life out of us. But for us believers, we can't let anyone take our faith. Faith is believing that tomorrow, that God has a plan for my life, just as he does today. God has a plan for me tomorrow, just as he does today. Keep on asking. Keep on believing. What we're believing for, you know, in this story we saw that what this lady believed for, it changed her life forever because in one second she was immediately healed and she got a whole new life. It was starting over. Everything changed because 
one act of faith, she made that step. And for the father, the mother, and the 12-year-old, she got a whole new life because it was over. It was done and gone. And so for a 12-year-old, she got a brand new life, a brand new outlook. Because I guarantee you, every day, I'm sure mom and dad said, you were dead, but now you're alive. How many times that poor girl the rest of her life was reminded over? Because that's what we do as parents. We like to remind our kids things over and over and over again, right? How many times was she said, how many times was she told, you were dead, little sweetie, but now you're alive? And so for her, her life forever, ever, ever change. What we believe, what we hope for in the future, it changes today. What we believe and hope for, for the lady who bled for 12 years, in the moment that she believed, it erased the pain of the past. What she believed in, what she hoped for, it erased every suffering, every pain, every thought of the past. It was gone because she had a new chance and a new start. Praying doesn't mean that we get everything that we want, but praying is a place that God wants us to start. It's the place that God wants you to start this morning. I'm going to close with two more verses, and then we are going to wrap up. Hebrews 11:16 says, people were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. John 14:1 says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you always be with me wherever I go. And you know that where I'm going, Jesus, it's heaven. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth to bring us the message, to be the message. But then he left and he went back to heaven. He said, I'm preparing, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Anyone who opens up their heart, anyone who believes, understand heaven is my future. Even though I'm here in the earth now, heaven is my future. And when I start to believe, remember, when I take a brick and I start building more, more thoughts of faith, more feelings of faith, I start tasting heaven on earth. Keep on asking this morning. Keep on believing this morning. Keep on knocking. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter, because the top 10 fears of our world, they're legit. There's so many things that are real that I read in those top 10 fears. Yes, there could be a nuclear war. Yes, it could be the end of the world. But is that depressing? Not really. If it's over, it's over, right? If the bell rings, then we're done. That doesn't have to be depressing. That doesn't have to give us anxiety. Let's use it and twist it to understand, to give myself hope and to give my friends hope and to give them peace as long as my faith is placed in the right spot, everything's going to be okay. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. God, we thank you for, God, just your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come, to talk about you, to read your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity where we get to sing songs. God, we get to sing. We can sing along. We can sing in key and out of key. And it doesn't even matter, God, but we're singing. And it's that faith that we're singing to you. We're not just singing out in the air. We're not just singing for our neighbor. We're not singing for ourselves, God, but we're singing, God, to you. 
God, we thank you for this moment this morning that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we thank you for this moment because what we believe today, where we put our hope and faith and trust in, yes, it changes our future, but it also meets us here in the present moment. It also brings healing for our past. God, the faith and trust that we have in you, it changes forever. It changes the future forever. But it does something in the here and now as well. It does something in the here and now. And God, so this morning with our eyes closed and heads bowed, if we just need a fresh start to say, God, I believe in you. I've put my faith somewhere else. God, but this morning I put it back in you alone. God, here I am. That's with your eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Just lift your eyes to heaven and say, God, I put my faith in you. God, I pray that you would hold my tomorrow. God, I pray that you'd hold my tomorrow. Meet me in today. Cleanse my past, my history. I said, just put my faith and trust in you. God, help me to keep on asking and not give up. Help me to keep praying no matter if my prayers are getting answered. God, help me to keep seeking until I find you and get close to you. Help me to keep knocking until I find the right door and it opens. May fear, anxiety, and depression of the things of the world not get me down. Let me keep on trucking, keep my eyes on the prize. God, this week, we give you our lives. God, we give you every single thing that we have this week. we just place our lives into your hands. We pray for healing in our bodies where they need to be healed. God, we pray for protection, that you would go before us this week. That you would protect every step and everywhere that we drive and everywhere that we go and everything that we do. God, that you would protect us. God, for every bill that needs to get paid, one out of two Americans struggling, God. For everything that needs to get paid, God, that miraculously, God, that you would provide so that bills get paid for us, for our families, for our friends. God, for the generation below us who are hurting, overwhelmed, full of anxiety and depression. God, part of it's because we're, we have anxiety and we have depression. So I pray this week, God, that you'd help us, help us to make a difference and help us change the translation and the language we use for ourselves and for the people in our lives. God, we give you all things. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.